five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to Idiots Alphabet Soup. We got this, okay? It's us, we're the idiots. Let's get this thing done. This is like the sixth or seventh time we've recorded an intro. I need you all to know that. At first, it was getting all messed up because I was ruining it because my energy is through the roof right now. Um... But last time it was Catherine's fault, so teehee. <laughs> well, okay, we did really good, and we realized we weren't recording. So we, like, do not, we, like, have five copies of, like, just terrible conversation and intro. And, like, the one where we actually did good, and it is gone. Uh, lost forever into the ether of the internet. But, this, you know what, this one's gonna be good. I can feel it in my bones. Um, yeah, okay, so... Should we tell them a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what's going on in our lives and maybe what we have coming up? I'm going to let you Man. tell them about what I had going on today, because if I talk about it, I'll talk about it forever. And you can talk about me. Also, I'm having mad deja vu because I swear we've done this before. <laughs> I wonder why. Okay. Surely anyway. We've never said these exact words before. Let's like blitz through this because I really want to get into talking about nonsense. So Jenny is busy because, well, she's had a good time today because she went to her first ultimate frisbee like league match with her her little buddies and she's been running around and so she is hyped right now. She's got adrenaline and she's like pumped. She's pumped. Um, also, we're, record- we're pre-recording because this weekend, which is the weekend we usually post, Jenny is going to a conference for AWM in Georgia. There you go, folks. Yes, that's what's going on with me. Catherine no, no, is no. having a birthday in two days, which is super exciting. Um, because, fun fact, we like to say that my birthday is also her birthday. <laughs> um, also, she, uh, my sister is co- going to visit her. And so the weekend that I'm going to be gone to Atlanta, my sister is going to be with Catherine. Just a little bit like, Emily, why aren't you visiting me? But like, I mean, obviously I'm busy. Originally, the plan was for me to also be visiting Catherine that weekend, but uh, I forgot that I had already scheduled the conference. Um, Bad friend award, Jenny Smucker. But I'm visiting Catherine the weekend afterwards to make up for it. I think it's going to be fun. I think so too. And we're going to record an episode of the podcast the weekend afterwards. Yes. Also, when Jenny's coming... Um, not this weekend, but next weekend. I'm super excited because if our readers don't know, one of my favorite animals in the world, actually my favorite, the favorite animal in the world is the orangutan. So we're going to go to the DC Zoo and watch orangutans. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, it's like let, Catherine's little birthday present is we go to a free zoo and look at the <laughs> orangutans. This is um, what I get. <laughs> but no, honestly, Catherine is obsessed with orangutans and... um. I, I was scrolling through Instagram and I like found an orangutan Instagram page and I was like, oh, I'll follow them so I can like send these posts to Catherine. And I started mm-hmm. sending them. And now my explore page is just all apes. Got orangutans, <laughs> got chimps. Um, There's not as many gorillas. It's mostly orangutans and also some chimps. I um, love orangutans. They are. You know, the more they show up in my feed, the more attached to them I'm getting. And then I was like, oh, maybe I need to follow an Instagram page of my favorite animal and, like, look at all those cute pictures. But there are not many narwhal fan fan, fan pages out there. <laughs> you know what? what is, like, a surp- like I've seen a lot of is um, baby hippo fan pages. I send you mm. those a lot. You know what? I do like. Because you're I've- my favorite hippo. Oh, my brother used to call me baby hippo, um, but he meant it in a teehee, your, your chubby way, which is weird because I was not chubby at all. Yeah, I mean it in a teehee, your hypocrite way. Right, because in case our listeners don't know, when we say hippo, we mean hypocrite. You little hippo. There is this, this page, though, that makes really cute snail videos, which snails are like up there on my list of favorite animals. Oh, snails are really cute. They are hermaphrodites, yeah hermaphrodites in the way that they can change their sex or like no they have intersex they have have both sex organs oh that's really interesting because like clownfish are they can change their sex yeah i did know that that's that's kind of crazy um Uh 
But yeah, like when I had pet snails, sometimes I would see them doing the nasty, which made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, there's this there's this page that makes <gasps> they're snail not being videos. indecent. Wanna... They're not being indecent, Jenny, because they're doing it in their own house. Like they're always in their house. They're not outside. That's true. But like right in front of a window, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're like um... partially outside the door. <laughs> Um, what I was saying, though, is that there's this Instagram page that has, like, it'll have, like, a snail grocery store that has, like, the snails going around the grocery store or, like, the movie theater or, like, the dentist. <laughs> it's, like, all these random human situations, but there's snails there. And, oh, it's, like, I think it's called Slime Town USA. They're on TikTok, too. And that, it, it just warms my heart. I love it. That's so cute. Yeah. Uh, speaking of snails, that reminds me of, like, a really good TV show that I would recommend. Uh, it's called Growing Up or like Grown Up. Is it up. an anime? No, it is not an oh. anime. Oh, wait, you know I know what you're talking about? about. I think I yes. showed you like an episode. You did. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like, like the little kids. Mm-hmm, so there are these like Japanese toddlers. Oh yeah, old enough. So like there's these Japanese toddlers who are sent on like grown up errands. And the thing is, is like, can they? <laughs> Can they figure themselves out and like actually get errands done? And they're like three, four, five years old. So cute. So cute. I remember the one episode because the girl was like trying to get some like a beat out of the ground. <laughs> trying to <laughs> try. And it took her like hours. <laughs> it was a cabbage. Oh, so cabbage. Yes. It was so cute. Oh. Uh, yes. Um, anyway, so, so our funny. next episode we're recording together, and we have yes. a guest on that one, which is going to be exciting. Yeah. Okay. So next episode, we're gonna have a very special friend of mine come on the podcast, and uh, may I say she's pretty young and hip. She's seventeen years old. Her name's Dee Dee. And I know DC because she's like one of my friend's baby sisters. Um, why did I invite her on the podcast again? If I remember correctly, she told you I should come on your podcast, and you were like, "Okay, oh right, okay." So she she actually is like quite a voracious reader. But the thing that cracks me up about Dee Dee is that she's so. What is the is it Gen Z? Is yeah, she Gen Z. Mm-hmm. she's like the gen z she's like the epitome of gen z yeah like she taught me what riz meant and she taught me about like cook like let him cook and honestly Didi should never have taught you what riz meant because you were used that word way too much okay you can't judge me because ever since i started rizzing you started rizzing when was the last time i said riz that wasn't in this episode of the podcast i would like to know Literally all the time. I feel like you're projecting here. No, I feel like you say Riz more than me. Definitely not more than you, Miss. Ooh, Rizzy. I don't say that. That is so cringe. Yes, you do. That is so Um, cringe. Anyway, this is what she's going to have to put up with. But yeah, hopefully she'll teach us some new slang. We can discuss the state of the YA world with an actual young adult. Exactly. But yeah, she's so fun and... uh, Hip. She's cool and hip. (laughs) And we need the young audience to listen to us. Yes. Also, Um, I don't want to jinx it, but we could put up... um, the video of the podcast next week. Oh, yes. We're thinking about oh, yeah. doing some video podcasts. And so if that's something that you would enjoy as a listener or you like definitely think we should not do for some reason, I don't know why you would think that. But if you do think that, let us know. Um, if you think we're uggos and shouldn't show our face <laughs> on camera, let us know. And honestly, valid. Some days I do feel like an uggo when I record the potty. <laughs> Honestly, it's quite convenient to be an uggo while recording the potty. Yes. If there's a time to be an uggo, it's when you're recording the potty. It's like telling someone they have a face for radio, you know? Okay. And then our our next episode after the one with Didi, this one I'm super excited about. Um, yes. We're going to be 
we're going to be talking about the book Chloe and the Kaisho Boys by Mei Koyuto. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yes. Um, do you want to tell them what's so special about this book? Well, okay. Um, one of my friends from the Philippines recommended Chloe and the Kaisho Boys because she said, like, oh, it's a, it's like so romantic and amazing and you should read it blah blah blah, and you should talk about it in the podcast and i was like okay whatever and so i convinced jenny to get um an ebook of uh an ebook of chloe and the kaisha boys and we read it wait what is there a story i'm supposed to be saying no you were just supposed to say it's fun because it's like um you don't normally read YA books that are like. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I don't. I don't normally read YA. Like when I was growing up in the Philippines, there was no like young adult book for the Filipino teenager who lived in the Philippines. Like there were, there was just no market for that. Like I didn't know any like Filipino authors other than like the classics, or mm-hmm. like ooh, liberation from Spain authors kind of thing. <laughs> so like. This was new and like kind of exciting. And um Jenny and I, like a few weeks ago, decided to shoot our shot and um DM the author of Chloe and the Kai Shao Boys, and she responded actually. And she's coming on yes. the potty. Yes, I'm so excited for that. Um Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna it's, record an episode with her. Yeah, she's actually like popping off. I'm pretty sure that her book is like number one in the Philippines right now. Interesting. So, yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I read online that she was the first, like, Filipino, I think Filipino in general, but maybe it was Filipino woman, um, yeah. to get published by the number one Penguin? publishing house, which is Penguin. That's awesome. Yeah, also, I'm go her. I know. And, like, it's just nice to read a young adult book because she's so romantic. It just makes you feel good, huh? I know. It's so romantic. So fun. So, like, kidding. Kidding. Uh, have you ever talked about Kilig on the podcast? I don't think we have. Okay, so Kilig is like a Filipino word, and it basically, it doesn't have an English translation, but it's really easy to explain. It's like that feeling you get when you experience something romantic or you see something romantic, and you're just like, eek, it's so Kilig, <laughs> Kilig. <laughs> yeah, and so feel free to use that word. It's like awesome. It's such a good word. I remember you told me about it. You've told me about several Filipino words that like don't have um, English equivalents, and I feel like kilig is the one we use the most. That and ugo. Ugot, yeah. Because okay, should I explain ugot? You can do I'm it real quick. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go ahead and explain it a little bit. So like. <laughs> This is not in the book, by the way, but it is, it's a fun word and you should know it. Yeah, so like, ugot is a verb and it's the act of like, when you poop, you know, you're like, how do, like your fists are clenched and you're just like, ooh, I need to your poop this out. fists are clenched and your face is scrunched and you're trying to get it out. Yeah, exactly. That's the verb for that. Yeah. Good, good word. We needed yeah. something to describe that. And, uh, exactly. And you deliver. filling a gap in the in the market. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Um, shall we move on to the actual book that today's episode is right. about? Right. So, what are we doing today, Jenny? Today, we're talking about the myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. Um, and maybe before before we talk about this book. We should um, first explain just like a little bit of why we picked it. Yes. Um, okay. So we were doing a little bit of like planning for the podcast and thinking of some ideas for like way episodes we could do, things we could, yeah, like directions we could go. And one of the things that we came up with is like, oh, maybe we could read a book that makes Jenny uncomfortable and then read a book that makes Catherine uncomfortable. Um, and it's like, oh, what makes Jenny uncomfortable? Philosophy books. I'm not about reading philosophy books usually. The closest I got was Sophie's World, and that was a chore for me. <laughs> um, and so it was like, okay, cool, we'll read a philosophy book. And then, like, Catherine is obviously quite into reading philosophy. And so every once in a while, I'll be at my favorite bookstore, Blacksburg Books, and um, I'll, like, pick up a book there. 
And the myth of Sisyphus was there for $1. And I knew basically nothing about it. So I was like, okay, I'll uh, pick this up. So I, I bought it for a dollar. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, maybe we can do that one for the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I bought it. And then Catherine was like, oh, we should read it for the podcast. And I was like, okay, we can do it. Worst decision ever. <laughs> maybe not worst. Oh, this book was a struggle for me. Um, but yeah. I'd say, so what, yeah, ahead, I mean, it is a brick of a book. It's mm-hmm. less than a hundred pages, but man is confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I wouldn't. Yeah. It's like if I were to like in retrospect, if I were to pick like a better philosophy book for you, I wouldn't have picked a uh, myth of Sisyphus by Camus. Yeah. I think what we should have done in retrospect is like you picked out a book that you felt like would be a good like, it's the sort of author's original ideas, not, like, a summarizing schools of thought book, but, mm-hmm. like, is a bit easier to get through. Um, and then I, like, would just, like, gun out and bought it. Yeah. Um, can we pause for a second? I need to grab the actual book. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll be back. Okay, I'm gonna stretch. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm back. Okay. Sawi. You're good. Um, All right. Also, neither of us knew how to pronounce uh, Albert Camus when we read this. I was not aware going into it that he was French. And um, apparently you didn't think about the fact that him being French might change how his last name was pronounced. So we called him Albert Camus for quite a long time. And um, may, just to warn our listeners, <laughs> may accidentally call him Albert Camus in the future. Well, it's like, it's like dumb. Like, here's my thought process. It's like, oh, I'm from the Philippines. I don't say, oh, I'm from Filipinas. Like, that's so dumb. <laughs> like, or like, I'm from Puerto Rico. Like, you don't go Puerto Rico or whatever. Like, why do we need to, like, make it sound like <laughs> French? It's just Camus. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, so unreasonable. I mean, but we like, still. I call it China, not Chungkwo. Like, why? I'm like, there's a difference between a person's name and like a country. <laughs> That's true. But it's, like, so dumb. Oh, man. Um, Uh, Okay, anyway, so that was how we picked this this book. Um, To be clear, though, the main point of this book is, um, well, it's trying to answer the question of whether or not it makes sense to commit suicide if you believe that life is meaningless. And God is out of the picture. And Camus is making the argument that it does not make sense to. Um, But because of that, some of this conversation might be about, uh, well, like kind of hedge around the topic of suicide, which is definitely a sensitive topic. And so we wanted to warn our listeners ahead of time that it it won't be a a heavy theme in this podcast, but it may come up. And so, um, yeah, if if that's something that you're uh more sensitive about then you you may want to not listen to the rest of our podcast which would make us sad but like i understand yeah see you in two weeks i guess uh should not be talking about suicide then because that will be a much more lighthearted episode yeah um okay so should we start off with who even was albert camus i barely know this one so you take the floor Catherine. tell us about our man camus well, um, Albert Camus was a very prominent philosopher in the 1940s. 
And he spoke French, but he is actually Algerian. Oh, he's Algerian. Yeah. So, got you there. (laughs) What? (laughs) Ooh, gotcha. He's not French. He's Algerian. Gotcha. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Anyway, interesting. Uh, okay, anyway, he grew up in Algeria. And he went to the University of Algiers, which is, like, just interesting because we knew, like, we know quite a few people who went to um, that school in the math department. Is it, like, two? Three? Oh, three. Yeah. Three. 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 Three, yeah. Which, considering the size of our math department, is, like, quite a large percentage. Pretty impressive, yeah. Or maybe um, maybe four, because did uh, did Dr. Audrey go there? Uh, maybe so. I, I would, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I would put money on that. <laughs> three, maybe four people who went to the same school as Mr. Kamu. Yeah, and so he, like, spearheaded this um, philosophy that's centered on, like, absurdity um and uh absurdity is a form of extent existentialism that should i explain it (laughs) um i mean we can kind of we can maybe talk about it actually we can just start getting into like what was the book what was it about what's the deal with absurdity i'm gonna grab my copy of the book real quick so okay Crap, I got a cramp. Beep, beep. Okay, I think I'm good. Well, yeah. So, I think Um, a good way to start the conversation is to explain what absurdity is. I think that is a great idea. Um, Paint me a picture, Jenny. Okay. So, the way I see it is... Um, we have this idea of how the world is and how our lives are, but that's generally not what reality is, right? We're kind of zoned in on this day-to-day, get the job done, my life has meaning, I have a purpose, and then one day you wake up and you realize, wait a second, and granted, this is uh, assuming that, like, God, you don't believe that God exists and there is no higher power, you are your own God sort of situation. One day you're like, wait a second, why am I doing this? There's no point, there's no meaning to what I'm doing, what's going on? And that feeling of sort of waking up and realizing that there's this tension between the way you perceive the world and uh, the way the world actually is, that's what absurdity is. Did I steal that from Catherine? Yes. (laughs) To be clear, I sounded way less eloquent three days ago when we were planning this podcast yeah (laughs) good job jenny (laughs) thanks um but you know i can actually read some excerpts uh to explain to say what kamu himself said uh the absurd was at one point um he said the absurd is sin without god and i wrote in the margins i don't think albert kamu and i have the same definition of absurd (laughs) I think that was when it really hit me that I didn't know what was going on with his him talking about absurdity all the time. Um, he also says at one point that carrying this absurd logic to its conclusion, I must admit that struggle implies a total absence of hope, which has nothing to do with despair, a continual rejection, which must not be confused with renunciation, and a continuous dissatisfaction, which must not be compared to immature unrest. Everything that destroys, conjures away, or exercises these requirements, and, to begin with, consent which overthrows divorce, ruins the absurd and devalues the ad- sorry, devaluates the attitude that may then be proposed. The absurd has meaning only insofar as it, it is as it is not agreed to. Um and those were as close as I could get to finding Camus' definition of what he he meant by absurd 
I think you summed it up pretty well. And, like, this is also, in my understanding, what it is. Obviously, we're both, like, not philosophy experts or anything. But absurdity occurs when there's a disconnect between man's desire for unity in the world versus, like, the universe's, like, unreasonable silence about it. So, like, the point is he, like, takes God and, like, a higher order completely out of the picture because, like, how are we to know that that's real? Like, the only experience that a person knows is his own. And so, like, even though, like, man tries to place meaning onto the world, like, he can only understand how he is kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting because then he, like, goes, tries to go through the eyes of a lot of, like, fictional characters. So it's almost like this idea of his is the only, like, stories that have meaning are your own and then also, like, the ones you read. See, this is what's difficult, right, Jenny? Is like, I do have, like... I promise I have like some intelligent things to say, but it takes me a minute. (laughs) Like I'm here's like Catherine's conundrum right now is like, do I want to say something smart? If that means extra time editing the body (laughs) or do we just complain about the book? And I got a lot of complaints. Oh, girly, do I have complaints? I've completely thrown aside the idea of saying anything smart past the first, like, 30-minute mark. And after that, it's all complaining, BB! What do you you think are the flaws in Camus' argument? Well, um, the the flaws in Camus' argument... um, And how about something that I didn't say? (laughs) No, I didn't. When you asked me this question, I was like, I don't know what the flaws are. Um, well, okay. What I'll say is one thing that made it really difficult for me to follow his argument is that, like, he isn't about defining what he's talking about. Um, so what made it difficult for me is like he it takes him. He uses the this idea of the absurd and talks about the absurd and absurdity a lot. Before you get the idea of what he actually means by absurd, before he even like tries to give some sort of definition of what he means by absurd, or like he uh, used the word nostalgia one time, and I was complaining to you, I was mm-hmm. like, "What does nostalgia have to do with the rest of the sentence? It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Why would nostalgia be contradictory to these other things?" And you were like, "Oh, well, he doesn't mean like nostalgia in this sense. He actually means nostalgia in like this way and this way." And I was like, "What's the bunny slipper?" <laughs> to, to, to borrow a quote from my sister Emily, <laughs> you can't just like use a word like nostalgia and assume that I'm gonna know that you mean this other thing and not like what I've always known nostalgia to be. Um, and so I'm used to mathematical arguments, which are very much like, here are the things that I'm working with. I lay them out for you. And then like, you move down the line using these arguments and these definitions to build to a conclusion. Um, and because the when you don't have those like solid definitions to work from, it makes a very shaky base for an argument in the, in the way that I'm used to seeing arguments. Um, but mm-hmm. you have so much, you, you saw some much better flaws than I did in his argument. So what do you see as his flaws here as, as the flaws in his argument? Um, wait, I want to, I want to kind of get back to it like going off of what you're saying it is kind of interesting how like philosophers take these words and just like redefine them for (laughs) and like just they don't even say like this is what it means now it's just like mankind is living with absurdity and like you just kind of piece it together like oh this is what you mean by absurd it's yeah and it should not have to be that way (laughs) well it's kind of like that and then i realize like oh you know you don't know that because, like, you haven't read any other philosophical work. Like, if you read Plato, his his definition of an idea is mm-hmm. not, like, the regular... It's not like the regular idea. Yeah, and when he talks about the world of ideas, like, this isn't just, like, ooh, my thoughts, like, that's cool or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like... Yeah, I wish they, that he would have made that clear. 
or like I don't even know how you would fix that because like I think the reason why um I think the part of the reason why Camus has like such a shaky base is because like his whole premise is that the world is unreasonable and so like Mm -hmm. how can you build a framework off of the world is unreasonable well like specifically the world is unreasonable in the way that there are no absolutes in case you're worried that we're defining the word redefining the word unreasonable here this is how it's unreasonable yeah so yeah i don't know it seems like kind of a uh, it seems like kind of a hopeless worldview and i think there's a much better like optimistic way to look at the world even if you don't believe in god (laughs) Yeah, and, like, just because you don't believe in God doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't some absolutes in this world, right? Like, the yeah, existence of gravity like, is an absolute. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna, I was gonna say, right, is that even in your own human experience, you can kind of condense some fundamental truths about the universe in maybe not in like a metaphysical or like in a religious way, but like scientifically you can kind of map the universe in the way that you know that gravity works and in the way that you know how the planets move and how celestial bodies interact with each other. Or like, you know, like why plants grow and like Mm -hmm. why the human body works the way that it does. And so like you, you do find these like fun, fundamentally like universal truths about the universe that are beyond human experience and like one of the things he says is that you can't really gain anything valuable a priori meaning Mm -hmm. you can't extrapolate how you feel and make conclusions about like like you can't abstract and like create universal truth but that is not true think about it's not true think about mathematics think about science like you do not need to see every freaking apple fall to the ground to believe in gravity or like to claim that it works you know and yes. so when he says those things that part of the argument kind of irks me because he's he thinks that men place meaning on the universe and it's all just meaningless because we are just so our brains are so wired to find meaning that we just find it where there is none but like that is not true yes and also for someone who like doesn't believe that anything is absolute he sure had a lot of things to say where like (laughs) this is the case (laughs) um yeah man yeah, yeah, it blew my mind that for somebody with uh, so little like so little willingness to nail down and say this is true, he could talk so much. But maybe that's why he needed to talk so much is because like he couldn't just say this is how it is. Yeah, and like I get it. Like it was a depressing time, and you know he wasn't about hope <laughs> or like <laughs> any good thing and. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, it seems like a very pessimistic way to look at the world. Like, I understand when he says that living is a habit, Mm -hmm. um, and that we get sucked into these, like, every day I'm doing the same thing and I'm not thinking about, like, my place in the universe. Like, obviously, that makes sense. But why does he think that the response to becoming aware or conscious of the absurd mean that the person becomes wary. Because he says yeah. that the second you awaken to the fact that the world is absurd, you become wearied. Like, tired. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Why don't <laughs> you look at the absurd world, Albert Camus? And say, wow, what a crazy world I live in. Amazing. That's so cool. Like, (laughs) yeah. Well, I think part of that is that, like, 
Because here's the thing is, I've always thought of myself as a person who really loved absurdity. Like, the more absurd something was, the more hilarious. Like, if I'm, like if I'm caught in a like bad situation, once uh-huh. I get over the initial shock of it, like, that's always what makes me not feel so terrible about whatever situation I'm in, is I'm like, how hilarious is this? <laughs> like... Like yeah. when my mom was my mom was visiting and gets COVID and like it's sad and or sad and like stressful trying to figure out what to do with her. And then it's like, how hilarious is it that every time she goes and visits one of her daughters, she gets COVID? Like that is so absurd, but it's hilarious. And so I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, man, I'm great at sitting and like reveling at absurdity or whatever. Um and then I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the type of absurdity that come with me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. You know what I will give to him, though? What? Is that he he says that the world is meaningless and we cannot place meaning upon the world, but that does not necessarily mean that it's not worth living. Yes. I'll give that to him. I will give that to him. So maybe we should actually get to that, which is, like, he talks about absurdity, absurdity a lot. How does he use that to get to the conclusion that, like, despite the fact that life is meaningless, it's still worth living? Yeah, so basically, um, he says that once you're awakened to the absurdity of the world, either you kind of embrace it, right? Mm -hmm. Or it makes you want to commit suicide. And so the um, thing to do is embrace it. Yeah, the thing to do is to to embrace it and try to live richly in the best way that you know how. Because, like, the only thing you know for sure is this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess it wouldn't make any sense to kill yourself because this is the only thing that you know. Like, mm-hmm. why cut it short even when it is absurd? Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and so he the, like go ahead. And so he like um talks about the in the the last chapter he talks about the myth of Sisyphus. And if mm-hmm. you didn't know, Sisyphus is punished by the gods by um like every day he has to roll this boulder up a hill. Um mm-hmm. and just when it goes right before it goes over the hill, the boulder falls and he has to push it back up again. And he Which says, Which was a little that- bit like us trying to record this podcast, by the way, because it was like every time <laughs> we got going, we had to start over again. Exactly. And so um, he kind of makes the analogy of like, this is what people do every day is they, they push this, this boulder up, up this hill. And they just do it over and over again, and they they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the solution is not to kill yourself and just stop pushing. The idea is to imagine that Sisyphus is happy pushing this boulder up the hill, and that he's content with what he's doing, yeah. even though he knows that he has to do it over again the next day. And he knows that, like... It's meaningless, but he just is happy pushing his boulder anyway. Yeah. So that's his conclusion. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Jenny? I think, I mean, you know, I think it's a, it's a better conclusion than like the conclusion that you ought to kill yourself and that, and that the world is meaningless. Like, I I think, you know, it is, it is nice that there's, there's a, a way to, to say like, even if god isn't in the picture life is still worth living because i do truly believe that life is worth living and it's nice to see a philosopher agree with me on that even if we don't agree on a lot of other things yeah and like you know he says something really interesting at the end like right before he says um just imagine sisyphus happy and it's that the struggle itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart interesting yeah so yeah i i noted that um he too concludes that all is well this universe henceforth without a master seems to him neither sterile nor futile 
futile. Futile. <laughs> Why pronounce things the way they ought to be pronounced? <laughs> when it's all meaningless and absurd. It's all huh? meaningless. It's absurd. Uh, Sisyphus is what we should call it. <laughs> Sisyphus. I must admit that yeah. while I was reading this, I would often call it Mythy Sisyphus in my head. <laughs> okay, but like for serious though, do you think that he makes a good enough argument? Like if you didn't believe in God, like do you think that's a good argument to not kill yourself? Um, I, I think so. I mean, granted, as much as I, I, well, it's hard for me to say, because I, I honestly feel like I did not understand a lot of this book. <laughs> but, like, I think he, I think he has, he says something worth saying here. And that, mm-hmm. like, even if, like, just because life has no meaning doesn't mean it's not worth living. And yeah. not worth enjoying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I kind of like this idea of, like, there's tension between these two things that you have going on, but, like, sometimes you can just sit in that tension, and, like, that's okay, and that's the way to, that's the way to live. Yeah, and there, there is something to be said about, like, um, about, like, living with this uncomfortable feeling, Yeah, Because, like, yeah, I think yeah because like even if you believe in god like some some days you just like ask yourself like what is like why am i doing this every day Mm -hmm. i think like as as human beings i mean mean, maybe this is just like an american thing i don't know but like it's hard to sit in tension between two things that seem to be clashing with each other when in reality like you have to like, you have to just sort of sit between the two and let them both exist. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that Kamu promotes here, which I think is a, is a good thing and, and makes sense to me. Yeah. Because the absurdity doesn't have to occur between man and the universe. It could be in these two things that, like, two, two things that your body feels is true, but your mind does the opposite. Like, for yeah. example, he brings up this, um, uh, he brings up this scenario where, like, as humans, we always look forward to the future because the next day is going to be better, the next week is going to be great, or, like, the next year all my dreams are going to come true. But the fact of the matter is the closer you are to tomorrow, it's a closer, it's like one day closer to you dying. Like, your body doesn't want it to be tomorrow, but your mm-hmm. mind does. And that is also absurd, and it makes uh, someone uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's very interesting. It's very right, interesting. Com- very interesting. Anyway, I want to complain about Kamu for a bit. Okay. Um, number one, and we've kind of talked about this already. How his argument is like very clearly not mathematical. And, like, he ignores the fact that there are some absolutes, even if you don't believe that God exists. Um, But, like, eventually I understood why, when in the end, at one point, he referred to math as gratuitous, which um, I did have to Google what gratuitous meant. I'm not going to lie. It's normally one of the words that I just sort of, like, accept to be what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm not one to usually Google words while while I'm reading. But I did Google the word gratuitous because I saw it describing the word math and I was like, I should know what this means. And then I found out it meant unwarranted and lacking good reason. And I was like, I resent that. But like, of course, the man (laughs) believes that math is unwarranted and lacking good reason. And then is like, oh, there can be no absolutes. Oh, here's a like absolutely terribly founded argument because I can't define anything. Yeah, I think he needed to say that in order to show that like everything is unreasonable yeah he Um, also said something that kind of irked me well not kind of it really irked me because he said nothing of value like you cannot you cannot um say anything that is true and of value 
unless it, it, it like that's not possible because anything that is absolutely true is a truism oh like trivial yeah so it's like it, so basically he's saying that the only truths that you can say are like it's true if it's true and that is not that is categorically false Camus. Yeah, Camus. Categorically false. You know what that is? An absolute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Okay. The other thing that drove me crazy, and I don't know if this is on Camus or this is on his translator, but Uh like some of the grammar in this book confused me so much. Like, there was one sentence, I'm trying to remember what it, I read it to you at one point, and I was like, okay, this is the sentence. All healthy men, having thought of their own suicide, it can be seen without further explanation that there is a direct connection between this feeling and the longing for death. And, like, okay, I can eventually sort of piece together what he's trying to say by that. It's just that it's such a weird, like, there's so many, like, if you, if he was trying to say the specific thing that he was like that you think he might have been saying, like he should have worded it just a little bit differently. But like I have read that sentence so many times and still like cannot quite grasp exactly what he's trying to say. I get the general idea. And like I said, I don't know if this is on him or his translator, but like figure out how you want to use commas too. There was a case I was talking to you about. Where, like, a comma maybe didn't totally change the meaning of the sentence, but did, like, kind of change the point he was trying to make. Um, And it was like, okay, is he just not using an Oxford comma here? Or, like, what's going on? If you have a situation like that, you just rewrite your sentence, is what I think. Um, Anyway, like, the man says a lot and does not construct his sentence as well. And I didn't think I was a person to care about a well-constructed sentence. I was always like, if you can get the point, across then good but half the time not half the time but often no, maybe not often every once in a while <laughs> he did not get his point across and i didn't like it man yeah anyway i had i had beef with him or maybe potentially it was his translator on that i did ease up on him a little bit once i learned that it was written in french and then translated to english um because then like maybe it wasn't his fault but ooh. I was, I was, I was big mad. So big mad. So big mad. Um, but yeah, I think my big, my big beef with him is his grammar. He called math gratuitous. And then some of these we've already mentioned, which is like, words just mean other words. Like, oh, nostalgia? That doesn't mean what you learned in, uh, fifth grade fourth grade whenever you learn the word nostalgia it doesn't mean that it means this whole other thing absurdity doesn't mean what you've always thought absurdity meant means this whole other thing um i'm trying to think of what other words oh yeah and then he doesn't even mention the whole book is called the myth of sisyphus and he doesn't even mention sisyphus until the very last four pages like i was (laughs) expecting the whole i was expecting sisyphus at the beginning sisyphus in the middle sisyphus at the end and no (laughs) instead i get a whole chapter on my man don juan i get a whole chapter on the brothers karamazov which like i've never even read the book so i barely understood what was going on there i get like other philosophers but not sisyphus until the last four pages and honestly i didn't like it i wanted more sisyphus (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh that was my beef with the book okay Oh my gosh, Jenny! Do you so many live in a high crime neighborhood? Honestly, I don't know what is going on. It's not even like a game night or anything. That's so funny. Okay. Um. Okay. Now that you've complained about the book, like, what did you like about the book? Um. Okay. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Honestly, like, I. I think I liked complaining about this book more than I liked actually reading the book, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if that says something about me or about the book. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a really, like, honestly, a really hard read for me to get through. I think of myself as a a relatively competent reader. Like I can generally read pretty quickly. um, And like, you know, I know my words. I like to read. 
Um, but like I would lose focus after two pages of this book. And that was literally how I had to get through it as I would read two pages at a time. Um, and like, <laughs> I would set a specific goal for myself during a day, like, especially at the end when I was really trying to get it read. Um, so I would like mark out like two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, all the way up to like 20. Cause I wanted to hit 20 pages that day. And then every time I read two, I would cross them off. Um, just cause like, yeah, I could not focus like after two pages, I would just be skimming and not gaining anything. And so that process was really hard for me. Like it took a lot of discipline to re- to finish mm-hmm. this book. But I think that was something good that I got from this book is like the discipline to just sit down and read something, even though I didn't want to and work hard to comprehend it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I also did kind of enjoy this idea that it came to at the end, which is like, Sitting in this tension of absurdity with the way, like, yeah, in this absurdity of, like, the tension between the way the world is and the way we perceive it, uh, that was a really fun idea. And I like I like that I have that to, to pull out now. And also, I like to be able to just say that I've read The Myth of Sisyphus, right? Like, I can pull out some little Camus jokes every once in a while. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are the things that I liked. What did you like about this book, Catherine? Um, hmm. I think I kind of, I, I like the idea of, of placing myself in the situation where, like, the universe is meaningless and still, like, wanting to live. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I always, like, when I was growing up in church, that was always like the checkmate atheist. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, oh, I you know don't, exactly what you mean. You don't believe in God? Or you go ahead and kill yourself then. There's no point. <laughs> like, that's, that was like, like always. You know, the, never, no one ever you know? said that, but it was like that idea, right? Is it like, yeah. oh, you don't believe in God? Like, why do you even bother? Like, why even bother at this point? Like, Yeah, like, why are you even alive? Like, what is the point, right? It was, like, the ultimate, like, gotcha now. (laughs) And, like, I always, like, growing up, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Because, like, well, well, I didn't know if it made any sense or not, but I just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of provides some context. I'm sure there's, uh, like I I said before and, like, many times, there is a... uh, I feel like there's a more like optimistic philosophical framework that does not entail being tired, like making the whole world alien to you um, Mm -hmm. in order for you, you know, like I feel like there's better ways to deal with absurdity than to be than this. Like this is kind of like a hopeless outlook, but like make the best of what you have kind of thing. I still think that you can find wonder and like find what's amazing about the universe even if you don't believe in god yeah you know what i think is i think kamu would have really benefited from having a best friend oh for sure yeah because like i feel like even if the world is absurd like at least i have our friendship and that is so great that like it's definitely worth living for i know yeah i don't think the man had a lot of good friends Hmm, I wonder why. (laughs) If he he talked at all like he wrote, that makes sense to me. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so Catherine, when it comes to this book, was the juice worth the squeeze? Um, I uh, I think it was. But... It's also, we talked about this, yeah. like, a couple nights ago, but I think it the juice was worth the squeeze for me, and a big reason for that is also because the squeeze is also my juice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like struggling and, like, getting it at the end, you know? Yeah. And, like, I'm not saying that I completely understand the myth of Sisyphus or whatever, but, like, it, enough to talk about it at length. Yeah. But I think that's, that's like, pretty, that, that's, like, fun for me to, like, kind of understand 
someone else's point of view. No matter how jacked it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for me, um, like I would not read it again. I think if I read it a second time, juice would not be worth the squeeze at all. Mm-hmm. But like in this case, the juice of it wasn't so much the content of the book. Like I did get a, it was like there were some fun ideas in there. Maybe fun isn't the right way to say it, but there were some new ideas that I found interesting to think about. But, like, for me, the juice of reading this book was, like, I got to learn some, like, discipline myself, which was really good for me. I think I got a few new ideas. And then, like, the biggest thing is that I get to sit down and talk about it with, on a podcast with my best friend. Like, that was the biggest juice, which was definitely yeah. worth the squeeze. Well, like, if I were not going to be, if I were not going to discuss this with you, juice is definitely not worth the squeeze. Because, boy, I had to squeeze for this book. Yeah. Well, that's also the other thing that. I kind of love about philosophy books is that when you read it, like discussion after is inevitable. Like mm-hmm. you can't just read a philosophy book and like let it let it lie in your head. No, you got to talk about it. But the best part is asking other people what they think about this. Yes, I remember our our first like major. One of our first, like, major intense discussions was about a philosophy book that we were reading. It was, like, Karl Marx. Was that it? Yeah. Was it about Marxism? Yeah, Uh, it was about Marxism. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't used to the idea of you defending positions you didn't necessarily hold. And I was like, who even is this girl? And what does she believe? And I was scrambling for my answers. And you had, like, all these well-thought-out ideas already. And I was like, I guess I think of this. And, like, that's the that's the thing, right? It's, like, you can talk about the ideas in the myth mm-hmm. of Sisyphus with anyone. Yeah. Like, you explain absurdity in three sentences and ask them, what do you think? And I, yeah. think, that, I think that is, that aspect of philosophy is, like, what I find most valuable is that I can bring it into conversations mm-hmm yeah and, and i yeah. think yeah i think that's also really helpful that in i think this is a skill that you really have for discussing philosophy and like i hope that maybe i can have this when i also discuss it with people is that like you don't necessarily make people feel less than for not already knowing the philosophical ideas like i think you're good at asking people these questions and like seeing their answers as valuable even if they don't know, like, the framework that you're working off of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and that's, yeah. Yeah, and see, this this is what's, like, super interesting to me about these kinds of books, right? Is that there is these fundamental questions that, pe- like, regular people wrestle with all the time. And Albert Camus is like, I got the answer. So... Mm-hmm. In this case, the fundamental question is, is life worth living? That it, To him, that is the first philosophical question you need to answer before you answer any other philosophical question. Because if you don't conclude that life is worth living, then why bother answering the next any other, question? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like super interesting. And that is definitely a question that at least like that has been asked like at least once in every person's life. Mm-hmm. And so like it's it would be like really cool to talk about people talk to people about this or like when aristotle or like plato asks what does it mean to live a good life everyone Mm -hmm. has an idea of like what that is Mm -hmm. but like then i i like i don't necessarily like the teachings i like the discussion yeah the discussion the discussion is the fun part um Yeah, that's definitely like the juice for me. I think it's even more that's even more of a juice than like struggling through a book. Yeah, like definitely recording this podcast and talking about it with you is like the highlight of my experience with this book. (laughs) Because, you know, like even if I read like one of these books by myself, I'm always like Jenny. Yes. What do you? It's always like you you've re, you read the book, you have these ideas, and then you come to me like Jenny. What do you think of this? And I have to come up with something on the fly, and it's tough. <laughs> and sometimes I 
I say things that in retrospect, I'm like, that was not a good point. <laughs> See, this um, is also like what is inconvenient about like a discussion between the two of us is that we remember everything. Yes. And I'm like, well, you said this, so. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I think I got you onto this like, like you argue by questioning now which is like my move and you kind of like adopted it too yes so it'll be like so is is this what you think and why do you think that is oh my word girl i I love pulling that out like why do you think that is the people oh it's so good yeah or like you know how would that work in this case are you saying that this is gonna what happens like it's so good (laughs) so good all right girl we have filled up an episode after so many tries i'm so proud of us should we should we do our final bit and get out of here before we jinx it yes okay what is our final bit our final bit is okay let's say you take kamu out of the 1940s drop him in the u.s today yes what would he think of it well, okay, Camus shows up at my doorstep, and I immediately start flossing. <laughs> and not flossing my teeth, floss the dance. <laughs> and then I take him to the TV, and we play a game of Fortnite. <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were going to say you play, like, an Andrew Tate video for him. He would probably agree with Andrew Tate, to be honest. Uh, yeah, bit of a yikes, but I can see it. Actually, no, I actually maybe not because he he was friends with like one of the only women philosophers, Simone. De Beauvoir I don't know how to. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any philosophers. I just knew there was something like that. I threw it out there. Okay. Simone Weil. Oh, Weil. Vale. Yeah, Her brother was an incredible mathematician. Oh, really? And she was also, like, quite a good mathematician. Yeah, she would go to these meetings of, like, a bunch of mathematicians. Um, and she'd be, like, the only woman there. Like, he, her brother had a bunch of mathematician friends who were, like, all very good mathematicians. And she would go, like, and meet with them and, and discuss with them. Um, but, and like, she was, she was a very good mathematician, but because her brother was so good, like insanely good, um, she was always kind of in the shadow. Fun little tidbit of information. Nice. Well, anyway, so um, I don't think that he would have agreed with Andrew Tate in retrospect. That's, that's probably a good thing. Um. Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, Kamu is in oh the world okay today. i i feel like I you would have a some... way to make the bit better okay what do you think albert camus camus would find most absurd in this like like right now it has to be the internet or social media right oh yeah it like, has i feel to like be. he would have a heyday with social media because it's so it's so absurd right it's like these like, what exists online is somehow real, but, like, very much not real. It's like, all it's fake. This whole, it's all fake. But, like, we all believe in it so wholeheartedly. Not that we necessarily believe it, but it's like we believe in it somehow. Is it, like, he's going to think that social media is, like, what's satisfying, like, our superficial need for unity. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we're finding meaning in, in like, Instagram. <laughs> Or it's like we're finding a way to like, like our Instagram is who we want to see ourselves as. And so like, instead of this disconnect of who we want to be and who we are, we just like try to make ourselves who we are, who we want to be on social media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have a heyday with Instagram. It has to be social media. Has to be. Okay, here's a question for you. Okay. What side of TikTok do you think Kamu would end up on? I think Camus would end up on this Harvard law professor proved, like, have you seen that those, like, Harvard law professor philosophy debates? Mm, or, like, I have not. Yeah. Well, I'm on that side of TikTok. 
<laughs> also, I'm I'm on the um luxury watch side of TikTok. Did I ever tell you that? You did tell me that. Yeah, and like all these people, Jenny, are trying to convince me that I need to invest in gold bars, and honestly, not opposed. You- you absolutely do not need to invest in gold bars. Um, <laughs> I'm recently, well, this I'm guessing this is like everybody's for you page recently, but maybe it is just mine. Right now, it's all about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Um, do you, oh, yeah. 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 Um, all about that, which it was weird because it was like three weeks ago that I started seeing like Travis Kelsey content. It was like his podcast with his brother would always pop up. And I was like, oh, this is funny. And now. Industry plant. Like, probably. Um, but yeah, now it's all over my TikTok. Oh my gosh, so I'd like Jenny! I found end up on TikTok. Yeah, I have a I have a good idea for for a potty if we're like really scraping the bottom of the barrel with regards to content. What is we should just talk about celebrity drama? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, because we could talk about like Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner and that whole like situation. Yes. Oh my word, girl! I saw a theory that the reason that this whole like that Taylor Swift is doing this thing with Travis Kelsey and it's like getting so much media attention is because she's trying to draw the media away from the Sophie Turner Joe Jonas thing. I don't know if that's true, right? Because she like called media attention to it by having lunch with Sophie Turner in New York, and they were like being paparazzi. Yeah, well, maybe she had lunch with Sophie Turner, and Sophie Turner was like, this is too much, and Taylor's like, all right, girly, ga- girly pop, I got you. Right. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> should we, we end the podcast? <laughs> yes. All right. all right. This has been Idiot's Alphabet Soup Baboosh. Baboosh.